that, well, what's God ever done for me? How do I know God loves me? He proved it. I don't believe there's any other way that someone could prove it any better. And uh, you know what the Bible says, scarcely for a righteous man, peradventure for a good man, <laughs> but yet the Lord Jesus died for us. And uh, we're so thankful for that. Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to Matthew chapter number 1. Matthew chapter number 1, I've entitled this morning uh, simply Emmanuel. And uh, boy, as God's been uh, working in my heart throughout this uh, Christmas season, I, I read a statement over the past couple weeks that uh, someone said, you know, it, it, it would probably get old just sitting in a church and, and for the four Sundays leading up to Christmas, all it is is about the coming of Christ and you, you can only preach those messages so many times. And someone made the comment and said, you understand that the story of Christmas is more than just a baby being born in a manger. And there's so much more to it. And uh, so I'll say this, this is, we just celebrated our ninth anniversary here at the church from starting the church, which means I've preached through the Christmas season. This is our ninth time. Pastor Cranston was out there at his church for 28 years, and I, I believe would have to say that we've not yet exhausted the subject of Christmas. And uh, so I'm not planning on exhausting it before Christ comes back, because I believe I'll see him face to face, and I'll be like, I never even scratched the surface of it when he, when he reveals it to us and everything that Christmas is all about. But if you found Matthew chapter 1, let's stand if you're willing and able to. Uh, just We're going to read the last four verses, Matthew chapter number 1, beginning in verse number 22. The Bible says, Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus." I want to see this phrase and come back to it in verse 23. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. We're going to have a word of prayer, and then I've simply entitled it Emmanuel. And uh, you'll see as we go through the scriptures today on that subject matter. Let's pray, and then you can be seated. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for the word of God. Lord, thank you for the revealing of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we're so thankful for this time of year that, Lord, here in just a few weeks, the entire world will pause. Lord, in celebration, Lord, whether they know it or not, of a Savior being born in Bethlehem. And Lord, the impact that that event has made in my life and in the life of those that are here today, Lord, it's life-changing, but Lord, it's eternity-changing. And Lord, I pray that you'd encourage us today, challenge us on this subject matter of Emmanuel, God with us. Have your will and way now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. As we enter this most special and wonderful time of the year, there 
should be a commitment to cherish every moment and memory of this season. If we were to take the time this morning and start going around the auditorium and say, give us your, your favorite Christmas memory. There's those that may have to take some time to be able to recall it to their mind, but yeah, we can go back and think about those favorite Christmas times or favorite Christmas activities that were there. But to many, this is a time of making money from their sales, and how many believe that you allow them to make too much money during this time of year, okay? They're making money from their sales or gathering together as family and friends. And, and I'll say this, probably the, one of the highlights of our years is as our family will gather together with the, the, the families around our church during this time, during the Christmas parties and be able to spend the time together. As for students, they look forward to this time, whether they're in elementary school, high school, or college, maybe to an extended time period off from school. I don't know if the parents look forward to that time as much as what the the young people do, but they look forward to that time. No matter the habits or things that bring you joy throughout this Christmas season, we should never forget the most memorable and monumental, and may I even say miraculous event that took place that we're celebrating and remembering. We read about it here in Matthew, and he summarized it in one word, the most memorable event. You say, well, how memorable was that? Can I remind us that it literally changed our calendar from B.C. to A.D.? It changed our calendar, and I I even know today that, listen, the B.C. for the young people, it actually means before Christ, not before COVID, okay? That has not been a monumental occasion like what Christ being born is. Literally changed our calendar. And Matthew summarized it in this one title given to him, Emmanuel. God with us. And as I looked at that phrase, and there are some things we'll get to it here in just a moment, but really just in my personal Bible reading, and uh, we're coming to that time, and it was testified about on Thursday night about how God's allowing some to be able to just be able to finish up their their Bible reading. I pray that you've had at least a, a goal to be reading the Bible this year. We only have a few weeks left, and I pray that you're reading your Bible more this year than what you did last year. And so in my personal life, it had been a few years since I actually sat down and, and, and read the Bible through in one year because of other studies and reading and devotions. And so I said, Lord, this year. And so I'll be finishing up the book of Revelation probably by the end of this week and finish up my Bible reading. Several are on some of the same plan, and we'll put those out again for this coming year. But it was during that time that I began looking at this subject matter of God with us. You understand that God Almighty, just to put it down on the level where we're understanding that God Almighty, this baby that was born in a manger, and we'll look at the verses, was literally 100% God in the flesh. 
And we see that throughout the scriptures and understanding that concept, that miraculous event that took place, but yet it's so disconnected from humanity today because of mankind's opinion and view of what a God is. And they're so disconnected and it's not resonating in the hearts and the minds of the magnitude of the Christmas morning when God took upon the veil of flesh and began living among us. And I want to trace this throughout the scriptures really just in a very brief way and a very shallow way. We could dig in a whole lot deeper. But I want us to see, first of all, the rejected relationship between God and man. The rejected relationship all the way back in Genesis chapter number 3 understanding the entire purpose of Christmas. Genesis chapter number three, we have a perfect environment that God has provided here upon the earth in Genesis three. We have the Garden of Eden. And may I remind us that that term, the Garden of Eden, is still used today to be able to describe such a place of serenity, such a place of perfection. If it's so peaceful and so beautiful there, People will still use that. Companies have still been called that. Gardens have still been called that. That it's called the, the Garden of Eden. In other words, it's, it's, it's as close to perfection as what we believe we can get to today. Now, may I say the example of that, and the standard has been set so high, you'll never reach the Garden of Eden. God created the Garden of Eden. He placed Adam and Eve in a perfect environment to be able to live and to be able to tend and to be able to take care of the garden, and they lived in that perfect place. The Bible teaches us in chapter 3 and verse number 8 that they had made a choice of their desires to be take of the forbidden fruit that God had said. There's this tree in the midst of the garden. And listen, you can have everything else in the garden, but don't eat of these trees. Don't eat of this one because in the day that you do, you shall surely die. And we know the temptation came and we know that that sin entered into the world through Adam and Eve. But I want you to see here in verse number eight, Then it says, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Do you know that there was a time back in the land of perfection, back in the Garden of Eden, that I believe it was a regular occurrence for the God of heaven to leave his throne in heaven and to come down into the Garden of Eden in the cool of the day to be able to walk with Adam and Eve and to be able to fellow with them. You say, how do you think that was a, why do you think that was a pattern that that he had? Because they knew exactly when to hide themselves. Because they knew, I believe it was the pattern that God was coming and they said, we need to hide ourselves because we've disobeyed God. May I remind us that it was Adam and Eve that were doing the hiding at this point and it was not God that was doing the shunning to them. 
It was their choice. They had had this time. No, we're not given a time frame on how long it's been since Adam and Eve were created to the fall of them hiding in the garden there. And they've been enjoying the presence of God. But at a point in their life, they rejected that personal relationship that they enjoyed with the God of heaven. They chose their personal desires. They chose the lust of their eyes. They chose that which would temporarily satisfy them, but it cost them their relationship with the God of heaven. And we see, and at that point, may I remind us as you look throughout the scripture, we're never told again until we get to Jesus of God himself coming down and walking in the cool of the day. I don't know if it was arm in arm, but I believe that they just walked with each other. They fellowship. Maybe God gave the update on what was taking place in heaven and how the angels have been praising. And maybe Adam and Eve gave the update to God and said, here's what we've been tending. And God, would you come look at this in the garden? Boy, it's thriving. You know how it is. Every time that Bruce Whittier has an 800-pound pumpkin out there in his garden, anybody that comes by his house, he's going to walk out there and show him what he's been tending to there in the garden. A rejected relationship that Adam and Eve chose sin. And at that point, listen, the place where they met with God, I believe on a regular basis, they were now thrust out of that garden. There was an angel that was placed at the entrance that now, listen, they would not be enjoying the presence and the manifestation of God walking in the garden with them. How many would enjoy if God would come down, you had a certain time that maybe God would come down, you could just go for a walk with him each evening. Wouldn't that be a blessing? And uh, nowadays with it getting dark so early, he'd probably have to show up about 3.30 to be able to have time. And it wouldn't be walking in the evening, it'd be walking in the middle of the afternoon because it's dark by four. 30. And we look at these things and say, oh, I I bet Adam and Eve didn't truly understand and comprehend and cherish what they had with God being able to walk there. Can I just give a little time out today and say, listen, we have the possibility, we have the ability, we have what it is to be able to walk with God today. He's given us the completed word of God. We have the indwelling presence of the spirit of God. But how many of us don't cherish and take advantage of the privilege that we've been given to be able to walk with God on a daily basis? A rejected relationship we see here at the beginning of time. Now, halfway through chapter 3, we have this sin that takes place. We have fellowship that is broken. And can I remind us of the 1,188 chapters that are here in the Scriptures? There's only two and a half of them that actually are about the fall of man creation and then the fall of man, the separation of God and man. But then the remainder of the entire Bible is about God. God desiring to reconcile and God's plan to bring mankind back into fellowship with God. And God so desires that. Some I've heard statements made like this, that it would be said, well, if I was in the Garden of Eden, I wouldn't have messed it up. Hey, listen, I'll make mention of it here in a little while. I just said we have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. We have the completed word of God. We have what God's offered to us. And guess what? We can't go a half a day without messing it up. In fact, if we'd all be honest this morning, we've probably messed it up before we showed up at church today. 
You say, Pastor, how do you know? I got a speaker and a video in your car. I know what it's like. No, I don't, okay? <laughs> My initials are PMC, not NSA, okay? And so, but listen, you say, how do you know all of that? I know that because you're a human just like I am. And we have a hard time listening. You probably messed it up while you were sleeping last night. Same way I did. We, we wake up sinners in the morning. The rejected relationship, but God's desire to manifest his presence to each and every one of us. Can I say throughout the, the ages, and we'll have to fast forward as we go throughout the Bible. We were down in Sunday school this morning, and uh, in our college and career age, we've been actually going through the the uh, the properties and the, the furniture of the tabernacle in the wilderness. And this morning, we started on the Ark of the Covenant and uh, spending time on that piece of furniture and how the Ark is was the, the manifest uh, presence of God in the midst of the nation of Israel. And all the way through history, there's been tokens of God's presence. Well, I want you to see, turn over with me to the book of Daniel, chapter number two. As I was reading over the past couple weeks, and this is just my, my personal study, I want you to see not only the rejected relationship, but I want you to see for mankind, there was a recognition of separation, a recognition of separation. There has always been a desire to be able to have the manifest presence of God with us, but there's always been a recognition that the presence of God wasn't there. In Daniel chapter number two, and you'll see where I'm going here in just a moment as we look at it, and I better get on the right page. We have, just to give you the summary of Daniel chapter number two, we have the, the first dream here of Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar. And he doesn't remember the dream, but yet he brings all the Chaldeans and the wise men together and the sorcerers, and he said, I had a dream that was really bad last night. And they said, well, tell us the dream and we'll give you the interpretation. And he said, well, that's the thing. I can't remember the dream, but tell me what it means. How many would like that task? Can you tell me what I dreamed last night? We'd sit back and say, Pastor, you're crazy. That's what they're saying to King Nebuchadnezzar here, except the consequences are a little bit higher because he looks at all of them and says, listen, if you can't tell me what I dreamed last night, I'm putting every one of you to death. Talk about an impossible task. Don't just tell me the interpretation, but tell me what I dreamed first. Here's what the Chaldeans said in verse number 10. The Chaldeans answered before the king and said, there is not a man upon the earth that can show the king's matter. Therefore, there is no king, Lord, nor ruler that asks such things at any magician or astrologer or Chaldean. In other words, I, I think if you go back to the original languages, they're looking at him saying, you're crazy. There's no one that can even do that. Therefore, there's no king that's ever asked this to be done because they know it's impossible. Verse 11 says, and it is a rare thing that the king requireth, and there is none other that can show it before the king. Look at this, except the gods. And I want you to see this last phrase, whose dwelling is not with flesh. 
And as I read that phrase, whose dwelling is not with flesh, these were lost people. These were people that were anti-almighty God in heaven. And what they were saying is, listen, this belongs to the gods. And I hope in your Bible that has a little G on it, okay? The gods, that, that belongs unto them. But listen, Gods don't dwell with flesh. They're not just like us. They're not just walking upon the earth. Gods don't dwell in the flesh. And boy, when I read through that, I underlined it in my Bible, and my mind came over to Emmanuel. And we come over to Matthew. We come over to listen earlier in the Old Testament, and I'll give it to us. We come over where the lost people are saying, they recognize it. Gods aren't with the flesh. But then we get over and listen, this entire Christmas season we're looking at, it's all about God with us. It's all about this recognition that was taking place even by the lost people. Listen, the gods do not walk upon this earth. I understand all the mythical creatures and and everything walking upon. They said God's not with the flesh, little g. In other words, it's these thousands of gods that, that people have served all around this world. You can go to Acts chapter 17, and uh, you, you, you see it over there in the city of Athens that they had all these altars set up, and just in case they missed one, they had an altar to the unknown god. You can go over into India today, and it's estimated well over a million different gods that they have over there. That's why we got to be so careful in our witnessing. They'll take the Lord Jesus Christ, but they'll just put him on the shelf with every other little God that they have. And there's this understanding that, listen, the gods that we serve, according to the Chaldeans, they're out there somewhere. They're not dwelling with the flesh. But I want you to see something a little over a hundred years earlier. There was a man that wrote something down for us. Turn back with me to Isaiah just a little bit before that. Isaiah chapter number 7, as we look into the Scriptures, and this is the first mention that we have. And, oh, if they had just listened to Isaiah a little over 100 years earlier, maybe that could have been passed down. And they wouldn't have made the statements that, listen, the gods don't dwell with the flesh, but we see the revealed presence of God. It was prophesied, Isaiah chapter number 7, and let's start reading in verse number 11. It said, Ask thee a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. And he said, Hear ye now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men, but will ye weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Do you understand what the Chaldeans were saying? That the gods that don't dwell with flesh had already been prophesied over a hundred years earlier than Daniel writing, saying, oh yes, there is a God that's coming in the flesh. And this is the prophecy right here. And it was fulfilled in in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, where Mary's going to be given birth. And the angel said, listen, you're going to call his name Emmanuel. You know what that means? It means the Chaldeans got it wrong. 
It means that, listen, all the gods don't dwell with the flesh. Oh, yes, there was a day in Bethlehem about 2,000 years ago. And listen, there was a God that became flesh and dwelt among us just over 100 years ago. You say, what do you mean? Look at John chapter 1 with me, the Gospel of John. Click over to the New Testament now. Turn over there, scroll over there, whatever you need to do. John chapter number 1. And we have this as John the Baptist is getting ready to be introduced and John the Apostle is introducing us to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll just summarize, get down here to verse number 14. And it says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. Can I remind us that hundreds of years earlier that when the Chaldeans were saying, listen, it's impossible what you're trying to say that only belongs to the gods. They don't dwell among us in flesh. Listen, the revealed presence of God came as God stepped out of eternity and entered into a human body. And at that point, Emmanuel was born. God with us. And for what I believe, one of the first times that we have since the presence of God banished Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden, now on a regular and daily basis, God in the flesh was walking once again upon the face of the earth. Listen, the nation of Israel had experienced that as the presence of God would come down in a cloud and fill the Holy of Holies. They would see the presence of God in the cloud as it would lead them by day or the pillar of fire as it was lead them by night throughout the wilderness. But you know something? There were times that that cloud would go and times that that cloud would come back. But every day, starting with Adam and Eve, they were there and walking with God. That presence was rejected. That relationship was rejected. Listen, even the lost people recognized that there was separation between the God world and the human world, that God's not dwelling amongst flesh. But on that first Christmas morning, as Mary gave birth, we just sang about it, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. The flesh. It happened. What they said, this doesn't happen. What they say is impossible. God stays separate from human. Listen, the God that we serve, that we call out to, listen, he didn't say stay separate. He knew that mankind had rejected that relationship, and he said, here's the way. They may not be able to make it to me, God said, but God said, I can come to them. There's no way for us to be able to come become a God, no matter what religion you're holding on to. And you say, well, I can do my best and maybe I can become a God and I can populate my own planet somewhere. There's one problem with that. It's not Bible. And besides that, I've seen what mankind does to a planet and sin abounds and I'm not interested in having my own planet because guess what? They had perfection, they messed it up and we'd probably mess it up too. But I'll say this, there's a God in heaven that looked down upon his creation and he said, listen, all this time there's been something between God and man. But he said, God's gonna become flesh and dwell among us. Do you understand that word dwell means to abide? It means to take up residence. 
You say, yes, but that was for only about 33 and a half years. And then after Jesus died on the cross and was buried and rose from the dead a few weeks later, listen, he ascended and the Bible says he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Yes, but don't forget. He said, I'll not leave you comfortless. You see, when Jesus was here on this earth, let me remind us that the Bible teaches us that God dwelt among us, but he said, I'll not leave you comfortless. He said, if I go away, he said, I'll send another comforter to you in the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. And it's not that God is dwelling among us, but may I remind us now, he's not dwelling among us, he's dwelling in us. You say, but that difference that's there, yes, there is a difference. Jesus, while he was here on this earth, after being born of a virgin and celebrating Emmanuel, God with us, that day came when he was taken up into heaven, but yet that moment came when the Holy Spirit of God was indwelling every believer. And the Bible reminds us over as Paul was writing to the Corinthian church, he said, what? Know ye not that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost? The temple was that dwelling place. And now as a child of God, may I say that every day of our lives, and not just in celebration of December 25th, but every day of our lives is Emmanuel. Every day of our lives is God with us, in us, among us. Every day of our lives. We don't have to wait till the end of December to be able to celebrate Emmanuel. Listen, I celebrated all this week. I thought how discouraging and disheartening it was for the Chaldeans to look at King Nebuchadnezzar and say, but the gods don't dwell with flesh. And I thought, they don't know the God that I have. I said, because Emmanuel, God with us. I think it's pretty sad that we only emphasize that title of the Lord Jesus one time a year, Emmanuel because we have God that's dwelling with us on a daily basis. Listen, this season we celebrate the reality of God with us in the flesh, but every day we should have the realization that it is God in us, not just with us. Don't forget the greatest manifestation of God as he became flesh and dwelt among us in order that he might dwell in us. And as I think through this Christmas season, listen, it would be a sad time for those to be able to celebrate the birth of our Savior. And I truly believe this. Listen, you can start watching the news late on Christmas Eve, and they'll already start talking about the moments of silence and the masses and, and church services that they'll have over in Bethlehem. As they're celebrating, the country is pausing to celebrate the birth of our Savior. Places around this world, you say, well, there's some that don't celebrate Christmas. No, but I bet if you walk up and give them a gift, they'll take it from you. And the world is looking towards that, whether they understand it or not. This world is commemorating the birth of our Savior. But the greatest thing, it'd be horrible for you to go through this entire season and not realize 
that the greatest gift that was ever given, the greatest miracle that ever took place was the manifestation of God himself as flesh. You say, why would he have to do that? Because God is eternal and God cannot die. He forever has been and forever will be, but it's this flesh that can stop living. And so God robed himself in flesh in the man of the Lord Jesus Christ so that a few decades later after celebrating the first Christmas, he allowed himself to be nailed to an old rugged cross. And even at that time as he suspended between heaven and earth, listen, he would still cry out, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. May I remind us that it's only man that can die, but it's only God that would be able to forgive him. And I'm so thankful for what God did. Listen, the Chaldeans got it wrong that the gods don't dwell with flesh. They just didn't know our Savior. And I thought there's many today, and if you're seated here today and you'd say, Pastor, I I don't think that God came in the flesh. Well, can I encourage you with this? you believe who Jesus was and what he did for you, guess what? You can have eternal salvation that Jesus came to this earth for. Emmanuel, God with us. Yeah, that's coming on December the 25th. No, as I stand here before you this morning, in my personal life, can I say this? Emmanuel, God's with me. Now, you may get it wrong today, and you may say, well, God's not with me. If you got it wrong, you can get it right. And boy, today would be a wonderful day going into the Christmas season for you to be able to trust Christ as your personal Lord and Savior to say, listen, I need the Lord. I'm a sinner. I've sinned against Almighty God, but the sacrifice was given for eternal life and to pay for my sin debt. And guess what? The Bible says that if you'll call upon the name of the Lord, he'll save you. Well, isn't that a great promise? You know why? Because we have a God that desires to dwell with us, Emmanuel.